Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Andy Crowder, Chief Information and Analytics Officer at Atrium Health. In this segment, Crowder talks about how Atrium aims to create a Silicon Valley on the East Coast, the unique skill sets needed to thrive in today's new office, and the difficult balance required to provide quality care while also focusing on organizational growth. You've been in North Carolina since last summer? Uh, Last July, July 15th. Okay, so you've been there a year. And is it pretty new that everything has gone through as as far as the merger? Uh, Yeah, actually, we just announced it publicly. All the new org structure notifications kind of went out internally. Julie's Mm -hmm. role, uh, those type of things. Dr. Freischler. You know, we've been under FTC due process with FTC for, it had started a couple months before I joined the organization. I think we all thought it would have finalized sooner, but uh, it just finalized Mm -hmm. two Fridays ago. Okay. All right. So this is creating a really pretty uh, huge sized organization. So I wanted to get your thoughts first on that and how it's going to impact your strategy or how it has already, just as far as taking on so much more. So during the interview process, I was actually connected with the executive leadership of Wake Forest. They were part of the final rounds of the interview process. Um, And so I had a relationship with them in that final phases of the interview process. It's a phenomenal combination. We believe that we're going to create a new academic teaching model for the nation. You know, our total employee headcount goes up to about 65,000 now. The IAS team alone between Navicent, Wake, Core Market, and Charlotte goes up to almost 1,700 FTEs that make up the information analytics services. Pretty excited about Innovation Corridor, all of the innovation work that we've got going on in the core market. We are attempting to create kind of a Silicon Valley on the East Coast, which is a pretty um, audacious Mm -hmm. or lofty goal, but we believe it's a goal that we can certainly capitalize. Um, Dr. Shrestha came over from UPMC and myself and he and many others collaborate as it relates to the strategy and transformation office, which I'm a member of. So we've got an investment portfolio um, where we partner with leading edge and sometimes bleeding edge technology companies in the HIT space. And so that's pretty exciting too, when you bring the academic part of it together on innovation and research, um, it's something to be pretty excited about. Yeah. And what does that really mean to you as far as, you know, really wanting to have that Silicon Valley type model? Yeah. So um, first of all, Atrium Health and Wake have both been doing clinical research and clinical trials at a significant level. What this combination gives us the capability of doing with our financial strength is to really pick those strategic partners that take our game to the next level from an academics point of view and from really serving our patients and for our overall mission. Absent the academic teaching institution portion of it, I think we would have been limited in the amount of focus that we could put on research and education, bringing those two things together. You know, we've got rich data sets across our organization and Atrium Health based on their size and scale as a living laboratory. Um, and we, we yeah. certainly want to capitalize on those. You know, you can't partner with everyone, but a few strategic partnerships can make a pretty significant difference um, in our industry. Yeah, sure. And when you mentioned before, um, 
a new academic teaching model. What do you foresee as happening with that? Yeah, so, um, you know, Gene Woods and Julie are just phenomenal collaborators. You know, when you think about what a medical student has to go through, the cost of that education, bend the curve on both the cost, and we also want to, we definitely want to have a diverse, a more diverse education portfolio than we do today. If you look at the medical education, what it takes to get into some of the schools, we think we have an opportunity to reach a broader group of candidates and bring them through the education system um, a lot differently than what's been done historically. In terms of medical students and that education, that's something that I can imagine has really felt the impact of COVID. And I'm not sure how much you're involved in that, but can you speak to how that has been handled just as far as, you know, whether certain things had to be remote that never were before? Yeah, I mean, so education um, and learning have been dramatically impacted, not just in higher education, but um, across all levels from my nine-year-old <laughs> and other students. But things that you never thought would have been able to be virtual have been moved to virtual. You know, there is an aspect or dynamic, though, in medical education that's about caring for people and touching people and doing that in a safe way. And those things are never going to go away because it is a, a human business that is centered around relationships and trust. And some of that can be done virtually. A lot more of it can be done virtually as we've learned over the COVID-19 time yeah. frame. But the high percentage of the in-classroom training um, has just been moved to virtual because right now it's not safe to congregate large populations. And I, I believe this to be true. And I think others in the industry have seen it as there's going to be a whole book of business um, that never goes back to brick and mortar. We see that yeah. with our teammates. Uh, I know that when COVID started, we moved about 10,000 employees remote. And if you look at the productivity gains and some of the benefits to them, you're going to see, I would say, a high percentage of those never go back to in, in the office type environment. This is going to be the new office. So you have to figure out how to not live at work or sleep at work. Right. So, so boundaries, staying connected, and all of those things uh, require different skills and different muscles. That's a big focus for our organization at large right now. Right, right. And it's one of those things where it's going to be an ongoing process, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we wanted to give employees and teammates, it was really all about safety and doing the right thing and caring for all of our teammates. But we very early on, probably in the July timeframe, pushed out and said, we'll extend remote workers till the end of the year. Um, there's a high mm -hmm. probability that we're going to go ahead and push that to July of 2021. And then our formal recommendation about our long-term strategy, myself, Colin Lane, and um, a senior executive on the HR are accountable for crafting that plan. And so we'll have the finishing touches put on that in the November timeframe and hopefully uh, announce um, what that looks like long-term. But we're going to have definitely an extension to the July timeframe of 2021. Okay. And then as, as far as some of the major things on your plate, where is the organization now in terms of EPIC? Are some of the hospitals on EPIC or what does that look like at this point? Yes, Wake has been on Epic for some time. We do mm -hmm. have an Epic revenue cycle everywhere. The CRM system for Epic has already launched, and we are moving everyone onto Epic's virtual care platform for video visits. So that'll be done by the end of the year. We do have several hospitals on full clinicals and revenue cycle inpatient and outpatient. Navicent goes live as part of the enterprise design and build. 
Navicent in Georgia, making Georgia goes live July 4th weekend, <laughs> 4th of July celebration. And then we will have, <laughs> we'll have all of the core market hospitals live by August of 2022. Okay. Was the timeline affected by, you know, that this massive uh, 10,000 people going home or not really? No, you know, what's interesting is we were all concerned because we've got Epic is just one leg of our digital acceleration mm -hmm. strategy. We've got Epic, we've got Core Connect, which is an Oracle Cloud ERP transition. Um, we've got our virtual care, predictive analytics, one cloud, and then all of our consumer front door advanced um, tool sets from provider finder and digital chat. So there's six major initiatives. Epic is just one of them. Initially, when we started this, we were concerned, obviously, about what the impacts would be. I can tell you that we've seen, we've been able to stay on target, under budget, and the teams have really, you know, I think the clarity or the focus of the work that's in front of you when you're in virtual mode this is my third organization doing Epic, and we've had an easier time, and easy is the wrong word, but our ability to stay on track and execute the Epic milestones and build dates and all of those things, um, it has gone more effective and efficient here than any of the other two organizations, and we had great success there as well. That's a combination of focus and purpose, and you know, when you're in a pandemic and you're doing things virtually, it's the task at hand as opposed to all of the items that yeah. can be distracting. I do think, though, at times so that's made it hard for people to not have 12 and 14 hour days to hit some of those things. So, we, you know, teammate health and wellness is something that we're really focused on. But right now we haven't slowed down a single thing. And while we had all of the COVID activities going on. Yeah, that, that really is pretty amazing. But it is an easy trap to fall into if, if you're not used to it. And like you said, having those boundaries and things like that, it's it's a different, different world, for sure. Absolutely. And how about some of those other, like you said, Epic is just one of six. Can you talk about some of the other work being done, especially in that digital front door? Yeah, so from the time that a customer has an interest about their health and wellness and options, we want Atrium Health to be top of mind, and we want the things that our customers need and want on their schedule to be readily available them in multitude of different mediums. And so everything from clinical taxonomy, a dynamic search capabilities, chat and AI, provide them content and information very easily, frictionless type of spots. And then in the event that they're an existing customer or even a new customer, the ability to 24 by seven engage a care contact center of ours and the resources there, and to have all of that rich data um, ingested into the CRM cockpit that the resources in the, in the call centers have to be able to actually know our customers and our patients at a very, very different level. So that, that's an incredible capability for us. Um, it's, yeah. it's about taking care of the existing patients and customers that we have, and it's also about growth and new customer acquisition. And if you don't make it easy for people to find the things that they want, select them and feel like they've got a, a trusted relationship with you, you're not going to have the market growth that you're going to want to have. So that's one of the lenses. Mm -hmm. And then another one of them is really centered around all of our virtual care activities. As we grow into markets that uh, maybe don't have caregivers in that space or rural markets, having a robust virtual platform is really important. I don't know if you saw any of the feeds, but 
we've rolled out within five to seven days of the, the pandemic, a COVID virtual hospital in acute and non-acute level and leveraged our medical staff to actually go visit people in their homes uh, to take care of them. And that helped us with surge capacity and a whole host of other things. So virtual is a big part of our digital acceleration strategy and one that we've thankfully, Atrium Health had made significant investments. We were able to scale it over the course of six weeks. I think we brought on another 2,500 providers to that platform because 80 to 90% of the care in the ambulatory space was all about virtual. So that's important. The third leg of that strategy is Chris Danzi and Omar Awan and some of the other resources from a digital analytics point of view have done a phenomenal job. Wake's got a rich history there. Core market, Atrium's done really well. And the EHR capabilities and the digital tools would be wonderful, but we don't want to be you know, always looking in the rearview mirror. It's about what's the next right thing to do and what's the next interaction. And so we're really making pretty significant strides in our analytics capabilities. Uh, we've already moved a whole host of our hub and spoke resources um, in self-serve capabilities, but uh, we've got more to do there in that space. Core Connect is the, the ERP solution, which is really about, you know, taking some of those, I don't want to call them paper-based process, but laborious processes allow teammates to engage in self-service activities. That's rolling out. We had Navicent, Wake, and all of our members as part of that enterprise design, and we start doing rollouts in January. So January is going to be a very busy year. I don't think you can go more than about 90 days without some form of major go-live in either EHR, ERP, digital consumer capabilities. And then one of the last ones that I'm really excited about, Eric Christian, our CTO, has been leading a strategy around one cloud and moving to the cloud for several years before I got there. I think it was three and a half they'd been at it, but we're actually in a position now to um, move away uh, from our on-prem-based data center business. And within the next 18 months, we should be out of the data center business altogether um, and using mm-hmm. public cloud and private cloud solutions to give us, uh, I think, a better cost, definitely a better cost, but speed and agility so we can move faster from a growth and M&A perspective. Okay. So that's it? Nothing else? <laughs> that's an act to keep that's us busy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the other yeah. thing too is we've got such phenomenal teammates in this group and brilliant engineers and informatics resources and really harnessing those specific skill sets from an innovation point of view is going to be really interesting. How do you keep those major initiatives going, but also Mm -hmm. towards your partnerships and innovation and how do you create a culture that says it's okay to innovate and fail fast in some of those environments and then move on and keep going. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.